This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. We definitely didn't have to have a second take to just get into three seconds of the podcast. I definitely didn't make a mistake right away. Uh, so with all of that said, gentlemen, how are things going? Pretty good, since this is our first take and you didn't make a mistake. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you reaffirming what everybody needs to know. Yeah. No, I'm doing well. Um Got got some uh, Nebraska Minnesota with a backup QB situation. How can you not get fired up about that? Yeah, well, we only saw this in 2019, um, and almost saw it again in 2020. And, oh yeah, 2019 hoodie game. Yeah. That was- <laughs> what a what a great game! Just yeah. an all around terrific performance. Uh, Nebraska really didn't show up that day because they were wearing hooded sweatshirts, if I recall correctly, from that post game press conference. That was among the biggest concerns uh, coming out of the 2019 season, the the hooded sweatshirts before a game. Bruns, how about you? How's things going? Good. No complaints. Always an exciting week when you got P.J. Fleck in town. You got, uh, got some hoops. Hoops officially starts against the Black Bears of Maine. Mm-hmm. The old 2005 uh, Bill Callahan approach. But, yeah, good. We're- Feeling good. We're basically a week away from that, right? Like next podcast, we can we can break down what Cojanets look like and what Jawan Gary is going to give the team. And uh, there's a guy named Bandamel. I I kind of have to learn the roster. I'm not going to lie. I was, Apparently, I was, was going to have to. Way. I was going to have to name some other people, and we were going to just start turning into the Wiltshire Tomanaga uh territory the the familiar territory if you we're, would we're at that point in the calendar where you get the overlap of football and basketball you get like the the basketball schedule over here like the emoji of like the the shaking hands emoji for for the two seasons coming together i so legitimate question here will nebraska basketball have a game where they score under the amount of points that nebraska put up against purdue because I, I feel like they're going to have some real clunkers, potentially, in Big Ten play, just based off of how things have looked pretty early. And the fact that I don't know that there's a single guy that I think can consistently score 14 points a game on that team. So you're saying, will they score less than 37 in a basketball? Yeah, if that's that's probably the high, barring some sort of, uh, you know, big November to remember moment. Um, 
could Nebraska have a 36 point basketball game this year? I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to pump it up too much. I'm not as pessimistic about them as quite as that, but um I'm pessimistic, I'll be honest. I I they're going to be more of a grinder team. They're going to play better defense at least and uh I think they'll keep the other team down on that end. Um so I mean you'll you'll see more games in the 60s and um you know you're some 65 62 games i think um or 65 52 games perhaps uh, i was but thinking more like 55 45 type games there could could be could be a couple of those but i think they'll get over 37 every game i do remember one year was it doc's team that went out to kansas and got beat like 91 to 39 i think that was a legitimate score 91 to 39 there was a, there was a home game <laughs> Barry Collier lost by 45 down at down at uh, Allen Fieldhouse my my senior year in college I remember and and just kind of Sasha Khan almost broke my laptop sliding into it and uh yeah the reaction after that one was basically like I don't know I don't, I don't know what's going on here so I'm, I'm going to Butler at the end my of my fresh freshman year in college big monday kansas coming to town there's a lot of juice i show up at like one o'clock to so i can be down in the like the front row of the red zone in the devaney circa 2007 nebraska uh at the under four minute mark or whatever it was had nine points in the first half kansas was up 43 to nine Uh, i think they finished that game just a shade past 40 bc so we've We've seen it before, but and that yeah. was like a that was like a solid Nebraska team. That wasn't like a good one, but it wasn't it wasn't losing by sixty points at home to Kansas when Brandon Rush scores like thirty points on threes alone. That was a game where uh, Ryan Anderson sang the national anthem beforehand, wasn't it? <laughs> it could have been. I'm I feel pretty like that sure. happened a couple times. <laughs> pretty sure it was. He, yeah, um, they they definitely had a game though in Lawrence where they didn't get to forty. I'm I'm almost yeah. positive they had thirty nine. Because I remember thinking, like, man, that's like the prerequisite. You got to get to forty. Like, if you if you don't if you're stuck in that thirty nine or under category in a college basketball game, doesn't with like scroll well. Left, yeah, that's not a good look. For some reason, that you need at least that four attached. Yeah. All right. So now that we've gotten some basketball, <laughs> there's your hoops talk for the week. <laughs> yeah. We'll get we'll get more in depth next week. We promise. <laughs> So here's here's the show that we have today. We're gonna we'll dive into a little bit of Nebraska Illinois, and then certainly gonna get into some uh, some quarterback talk as they transition to playing Minnesota this weekend. And then we'll dive into the coaching search, and we'll talk a little about Nebraska's newest commitment, Arnold Barnes, who committed on Tuesday to the Huskers. So that is the outline of what we're looking at here for the show, and let's just let's just dive into it. A few days removed, what? Uh, what is the first thing you think of, Brunts, as you look back, I'm sure fondly, at Nebraska-Illinois 2022? Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of the late-night rewatch. And, man, that second half, that was hard to watch. Um, and, you know, there, there's been some stinkers over the last few years. But my big takeaway from that game is Nebraska – Well, it's, it's hard because – on the one hand, we knew that Casey Thompson was pretty far ahead of the other quarterbacks. This offense was basically suited for him. On the other hand, you've got Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers who had to come in off the bench against you know one of the top defenses in the country, and it it looked like you would expect it to look against one of the top defenses in the country. But I 
we we were talking about this after the game. I mean, I I don't remember Nebraska struggling that badly to just play competent football as as they did in that second half. And that's a concern when you've got Casey Thompson who, you know, lost feeling in his throwing hand and is very 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 much up in the air for this week against Minnesota and going forward. So that was my takeaway is hold on, um, buckle up. It, it, it could get bad if uh, the quarterback play doesn't drastically improve from what we saw in that second half. Cause that was, that was bad. And I, I think, I think Nebraska needs to more heavily consider what Logan Smothers can do. That that's my takeaway. BC, what about you? Yeah. I mean, the, to me, the question of the coming out of the second bye, one of the top two was, would Casey Thompson be able to stay upright? Or it would, I mean, he's upright, but he's got a bad hand, but be a part of things for the last five games. And I had serious doubts, not because of the toughness of Casey Thompson. He's proven that, but just because of the amount of hits he takes. And you thought at some point, one of these times, he's not going to get up quite as fast and it's going to be a deal where he can't come back. And unfortunately, that's what happened. And so, um, I mean, that's it. For a quarter and a half, when he was out there, honestly, Casey wasn't playing that great. But he gives you a threat. Like, you know with him out there that that downfield threat is there. Team's got to respect it. Um, it can happen on any given play. And when that disappears, this this offense just has nothing. And so um, – I agree, though. Smothers is someone, if if it's to those two options, um, I look at it as who has shown they at least have the chops a little bit to be out there. And um, I think we've seen Smothers in a couple situations. You know, Iowa last year, Michigan State, even when he came in for Adrian Martinez for that one series, he looked pretty good. Um, I know he doesn't match up quite maybe with what Whipple wants to do, but I think you definitely got to look his way and just um, get some plays around him because Chuba is just too dangerous with the football right now. That's the biggest problem. I mean, even not just this week, go back to the Oklahoma game, guys. He had a pick in that game when it was decided, but he also had a drive where they scored. But if you look at it, there were two throws on that drive that should have been picked too. So he's basically in very limited snaps put about five footballs up in the air that you're just like, no, no, you know, and, and, and that's where, that's my biggest concern with him right now. It's, I mean, among other things. Yeah. I, I don't want to like go too hard after what was a a pretty poor performance there. And obviously a, a very good Illinois defense, but that ranks as one of the worst performances by a backup quarterback I think I've ever seen I mean (laughs) like it was terrible he completed three passes two of which were very awkward like borderline shovel passes from less than two yards away from the intended target the other was an eight yard pass to to Marcus Washington that was short of the sticks so I mean I there was there was a couple plays like he had Trey Palmer open along the sidelines. He like couldn't get him the ball. Like he couldn't get enough on the ball to get it there. Like it was it was really disappointing for a guy that has power five experience, a guy that started games before. I mean, it was it was really just 
almost inconceivable. I, I understand, like, Illinois' defense, again, really good. Nebraska's offensive line, not great. Makes it hard when Anthony Grant, the best run that he has in the second half, gets negated because of a holding penalty. But, again, working against you. But that interception that, you know, and BC was talking about this, like, who was he throwing to? He's just rolling to the sidelines and then just sort of, instead of just throwing it away, just throws an absolute dart to the Illinois defender. Like, it just, you can't compound poor play with poor decision-making because that that robbed Nebraska of an opportunity. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go win that game, but if you get it to 20 to 12, maybe you get another defensive stop. Maybe you luck into something. Maybe the special, like, there's, there's ways that this game could have at least been closer. And Nebraska just gave away too much. And they did it in the first half, too. And and prior to the injury, Casey Thompson wasn't great. But just a really sort of cold water on the idea that Chubba Purdy could be Nebraska's next quarterback uh, next year if, if Casey Thompson isn't in the picture. I mean, he's really I, – I lost a ton of confidence in him. And maybe, again, you am I, like, way overreacting here? Because it's hard for me to imagine that they can put him in a situation where Nebraska's putting points up against Minnesota with as bad as he looked against Illinois. And really, as skittish as he's looked every time we've seen him this season. I I, I think, I mean, I said last time, I think, I, think it, I think Logan Smothers gives you more of a chance against Minnesota if you have to go to a backup. I mean, I... Going back and, and seeing that Iowa game last year, I thought Nebraska actually had a pretty good game plan for him in the game. They got him out moving. It was a lot of some misdirection stuff. I, I he hit some throws. He missed some throws too. But you know that if they don't have the special teams blunders in that game, I mean, I think we're talking about Logan Smothers a lot differently. My my concern or my question is whether or not Mark Whipple's offense is able to be tailored to Logan Smothers. I mean, I, I I don't know that with Logan Smothers, you have the threat of the 60 yard deep ball to Trey Palmer. I just, I don't know that that's in the playbook. I also don't know that, you know, Mark Whipple's offense is, is particularly good for, quarterbacks who can who can run well I mean that there, there's some zone read stuff in there but I mean how, how many times this year has Casey Thompson pulled that ball like three four I mean not very often and so that's my concern is not necessarily so much what Logan can do because I think he can he can manage things well enough and they can get some work done there but I, I just don't know that Mark Whipple's kind of ethos matches the skill set of Logan Smothers and and that's that's where I get a little concerned but I think that like just all things being equal I would feel a lot more confident with Logan Smothers than I would with Chubba Purdy right now just based on what we saw last week it'll be an interesting uh session with the coordinators um this week and with Whipple I think one of the things you'll want to know is and I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying you'll want to hear him talk about like what what behind the scenes gives you the confidence that Purdy's ahead in the throw game of Smothers. Even you know like what what where's that been or what is? And I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm just I want to hear him explain like kind of what what that's looked like behind the scenes because obviously there's some reason why they felt like Purdy gave him a better chance in the throw game, um, but fans saw it and they're like skeptical now. They're like, okay, I mean. 
the way it looked, we might as well at least have the threat of Logan's feet, you know, if if basically the the throw game is a wash between the two guys, you know. So um, I think you want to hear Whipple answer that. And on Bush with Bill Bush, I'd actually want to ask the special teams question about what the heck happened on the extra point, <laughs> like with Ben Hart on that. You know, you want to kind of get into that and what's taught and what what was thought about watching that back in film, even though he's not technically the special teams coordinator. So uh, I think it'll be kind of interesting this week in that regard. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly going to be some things that people will want at least discussed uh, coming out of that game. What, what do we make? I mean, is it, is it just as easy to basically say that Casey Thompson missed some throws and then leaves the game. And that's why Trey Palmer had one catch for one yard. On Saturday, I mean, I, I honestly, with all the respect that I can that I can give Illinois for the performance that they had on Saturday, I don't really feel like they went out and took Trey Palmer away so much as Casey Thompson missed some passes and then Chubba Purdy couldn't throw the ball. I mean, I, I, I don't know when when you guys were watching Palmer when he was in, and it it also kind of felt like he wasn't in as much. I don't know if there's something else going on there. There was a couple critical plays where he wasn't even on the field. Um, what what do you take away from the Trey Palmer performance? One catch, one yard coming off of that giant game against Purdue. I thought – go ahead, Bruns. No, go ahead. I, uh, <laughs> please, what by all you? means. I thought, Illinois, I thought Illinois did a good job on him, but I agree with you, Schaefer. I thought Nebraska negated uh, Trey Palmer more than Illinois did. I mean, Illinois has got a really good corner, Devin Witherspoon. I think PFF ranked him the best, if whatever you think of those rankings, but he, he rates him the best corner in the country, like in his rating. So he's done a good job, and they were physical with him. They got handsy, as uh, Mickey Joseph said, and I think – they did Bruns. That's what he said. He said they got handy. Um, and uh, it was effective, I guess, to on the one pick, the first pick, I think you saw that where he, Palmer got kind of tangled up and there was miscommunication. But Palmer or uh, Thompson had like two or three throws early in the game where he either went to Palmer when he shouldn't have or he didn't go to him when he should have. Right. Um, right before the pick on the second down. Oh. Man, he had Palmer on a crossing, and Palmer was going to get the first down easy to like the 15-yard line at least. And that's the type of play where, okay, a guy gets his first catch, it's 15 yards, he's on the run. You know, a guy like Palmer gets going off of that, and your drive is going and maybe you put in the end zone. So that's where points were left on the board. But I didn't think Illinois' defense when Thompson was out there, as choppy as he was, just shut Nebraska down. Nebraska had 220 yards right. a quarter and a half into the game. So they had a plan that worked, and guys were open um, when Thompson was the quarterback. And once he was gone, they had no one who could throw it to the guys who were probably could have been open the rest of the game. The handsy piece of it, I think, is interesting, though, because, I mean, I, I think everybody saw how they handled Purdue or how Purdue handled Palmer. And you, you just cannot give him a free run off the line of scrimmage. Like, I, I think he's going to get a lot of press coverage, a lot of physicality, and he's just got to be ready for that. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i with you guys. I mean, it, it felt like Nebraska got away from things a little bit, uh, kind of self, uh, self-limited self in some ways in that game more than anything. And, and 
The, the concern, though, is I mean, if if the court if there's big questions at the quarterback spot, I mean, you're probably losing your most dynamic playmaker, or at least a threat of him as much, and that's uh that that's going to hamper Nebraska's offense in a big way over these last four games. No doubt about it. Uh, anything you want to hit on defensively with Nebraska? They they didn't play great. They didn't play poorly. They just kind of played. I mean, I think if if you get that performance and you have Casey Thompson the entire game, like I, I think Nebraska is, you know, maybe they lose 26 to 20 or something. Like I, I just don't – obviously the score would look a little bit differently. But I, I thought the defense was fine. Like I, I think that they would have given Nebraska an opportunity to be in that game if there was an offense to go along with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Um I think uh, we know at this point in the season all the warts that the defense has, and you're working around those to a degree. And I thought um, for what, where their limitations are, they played about um, as good as they can play in some respects. I mean, Chase Brown ended up, I think, with 149, and his average was 151. And someone asked me before the game, what's a stat that you could look at and say, if this holds true, Nebraska can win the game. And I actually said I wasn't joking. If they hold Chase Brown to his average at like 150 and it's not some ridiculous thing where it's, you know, like 230 or whatever, um, I think they got a shot. And uh, they did that, you know. So um, I think in a lot of respects, um, they they did as well on Chase Brown as most teams have done this year. So you got to give them that. Reimer played pretty well until that one. Uh, he made a bonehead play. He knows it. Um Newsom had some really good plays. So there's stuff to build on. I thought Marquise Buford had one of his better games when you actually went back and looked at it. And you got to remember, he's a guy growing through the fire. The he came up is, to hit. I appreciate yeah. that. He came up to hit. We haven't seen a lot of that from Nebraska safeties. I think that was notable. Can you get Buford and Hausman who have it? You can kind of see it. It's you, you know that it's not all rounded into form yet, but can they um, in a year look – pretty good. You know, that's what you really want to see a developer and, and the coaches, whoever they are, their coaches over the next year do with them. The problem in that game was, was Tommy DeVito looked like Johnny Unitas. I mean, and it wasn't even like Nebraska really forced the issue with them. I mean, it was a lot of short throws, a lot of gettable throws. And I mean, what was he? Twenty for twenty-two. I mean, he, yeah. He wouldn't it be more? Wouldn't it be more like Joe Montana just distributing it on like six-yard West Coast offensive throws? As my as my grandma, rest in peace, used to um, say, Joe Montana. She always yes. put the the tilde over the top. Um, yeah, I you, you had to do more to, to make him work, and I, Nebraska didn't do that. It, and going into this week against Minnesota. I'm scared to death of RPOs like Nebraska has never defended those particularly well. And Minnesota is just going to try to RPO on the death. Like I, I would be shocked if they got anything different. And uh, so we'll see how they handle that death by RPO. It sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds like a really bad band, <laughs> you know, like they, just probably, really... they probably played like Tuesday night at Knickerbockers in like 2004. I can see that. The 10 cent tacos. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Death by RPO and 10 cent tacos. 10 cent tacos, another good band name for aspiring 
aspiring bands out there that are looking for names and listening to this podcast for creativity. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss a little coaching and Nebraska's newest commitment in Arnold Barnes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I I kind of Brunts, who is a coach that you would make sure told you no in this coaching search, and who is your favorite fallback option? Give me some names. So a coach that I that I would make tell me no and a fallback option. Um, I would, I would say that, that my make a coach tell me no is Dave Aranda still. I think I've been moderately consistent since, uh, September 11th that more of a defensive minded head coach and Aranda, a fickle, somebody like that. I, I, I don't even say fickle because I know he would tell me no. So that, that's why I wouldn't necessarily go there. Um, and a fallback. I think you could get something done with Bill O'Brien. I, I think that's that's kind of where the, the the safety safety spot is for me, and I think that's kind of the case for Nebraska right now, where things sit. That the things that he does well, I think, would appeal to Trev Alberts, and they would appeal to me as well. Especially if I was getting uh, a few no's here and there on my my hypothetical search. So, Aranda shooting for the stars, and uh, give me Bill O'Brien. BC, your uh, your coach that you make tell you no, and then your fallback option. Uh, Brunch gave a good one. I'll say for a different one, um, and I don't know that it's too much in play, but uh, he he has not said he would not come back to coaching, and that's Chris Peterson. Um, you know, just the just a guy who has a long track record of being a good CEO and getting just winning 10 games every year, you know, like I, I think he'd be a really uh, intriguing option um, to at least kick the tires on and see, see where that gets you. Um, fall back sounds kind of negative. Um, but in that category, I know what we're talking about, like a, a, a Dave Doran um, still interests me um, just because um, I, I don't know. If you look at his track record at NC state, it's always been, and this won't wow some people and they'll be discouraged by it, but it's consistent. He's like kind of eight, eight and four, eight and four, nine and four. Um, he's done that at a program that's not always, you know, hasn't been a football power. 
And uh, he's done well with a backup QB too, right? I mean, he's he's had a tough situation with a uh, tough hand that he was dealt this year, and he's still six and two. So um, I think he's an interesting guy, and he's done it for a long time at NC State, where it's pretty consistent with really one flub up year that I remember, where they had a really bad season. Otherwise, over the course of ten years, was pretty good. And I know there's people listening who are like, no, 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 you know, on that. But I think in that conversation of fall fallback guys, quote unquote, and that it's not as negative as it sounds, he'd be a good one. And and him and Leipold are both, to me, like guys like that. You know, the thing about Dave Doran that's sort of interesting when I talked with Michael Clark in September when I was kind of putting together some, some uh, coaching candidate stuff from a recruiting standpoint, they had the least amount of players enter the portal over the last two years, I think, out of anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. Like they – he said that they do a really nice job of of trying to be as honest about where guys are at, but also sort of, you know, making them feel like they're part of something going on at NC State. Maybe that's just the way that it's worked out these last two years that the players haven't left. But I do think like that could be a valuable piece of the whole thing is you got to have good retention. You know, we, we joke constantly, you can't develop recruits that don't stick around. The Nebraska's 2020 class is a testament to that attitude number of guys are no longer in the program. So their value is nil. Um, so I, I think that, you know, with Dave Doran, that that was something really interesting that came to mind. I uh, I would make sure that Lane Kiffin tells you no. I, I'm sort of dubious that he's going to be Auburn's next coach, but that's what uh, – that's that's uh, the hot rumor as of this morning after Brian Harson was was finally fired, even though they tried to fire him this offseason. They, they let him coach nine games and then fired him here. Uh, this year coached eight games and fired him this year. So uh, I would I would make sure that Lane Kiffin tells you no. And then I I think both Bill O'Brien or Dave Doran would be solid fallback options. And so I I would I think Nebraska could have success with either of those. I mean I one of the hallmarks of this whole situation for Nebraska is I look at some of the coaches that are available and I just feel like I see a number of guys where I think they could come into what's happening here at Lincoln and pretty quickly have this program at least winning six to seven games and then building from there with all the resources and the new facilities and everything else that would be at your disposal. So um, I think those two guys are, are two right there in that, in that list. All right, let's talk about Nebraska's newest commitment. The Huskers have picked up two commitments now since Scott Frost was let go and Malachi Coleman, not a big surprise. This one, I don't know if, if we consider Arnold Barnes a surprise in the sense that Nebraska brought him in for an official visit on October 1st. Um, maybe a surprise in that they're taking a running back in this class. I guess more than just Barnes himself, what do you guys make of Nebraska adding a commitment here at the uh, beginning of November and it being a running back and the first running back in this 2023 class, Brian Christopherson? Well, I think uh, if you look at this season, you see how quickly um, the depth chart uh, falls off at running back. Like you can talk all off season about, oh, there's five or six guys, which I think is going to be now an annual thing where we're like, oh, look at all these guys. And then by the time you get to mid-October, it's usually like, OK, there's two or three guys. And, um, you know, obviously uh, the biggest recruit Nebraska has on its board to me is A.J. Allen. Um, like that, that guy is, uh, is, is a talented back. I already know that I've seen it at this level. He's a big 10 type back. And so, um, 
you know, Brian Applewhite did a great job to get him here, but now Nebraska has got to make sure um, it keeps him in the fold um, because we are in a portal era, I think, unlike any other. And obviously Nebraska is in a weird season in its program. So that's, that's a big part of that conversation, but there's going to be some guys you wonder if they'll still be here, you know, that are in the running back room now. And so I think it, it makes sense to, to put one more in there and uh, let it play itself out then um, by next year. And um, running back is a spot where um, in Arnold Barnes case, a guy can come in in the first year, he can contribute some. And we saw that this year with AJ Allen, who didn't even get aired all the summer and was still uh, like one of the main guys by the opener. Brunts, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that there's, I mean, BC is absolutely right about AJ Allen being like recruit number one for Nebraska um, before December 5th. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's anybody else in that room that I would say that you would absolutely, you know, think that you could count on for next year. I mean, I, you know, Anthony Grant's on his third institution that, that he's been at. He's a little bit older. Um, you know, what, what's going to be his, you know, want to stick around for, for a new coaching staff. I mean, maybe, you know, as a running back, you, you, you know, take a shot at the next level and, and hope you get on a practice squad or something like that. Um, you know, Jacquez Yant hasn't been used a ton. Um, you know, Gabe Irvin has been around and they like him, but he's been hurt. Um, Ramir Johnson, obviously, uh, we've not seen at all. So it, it makes sense to me that you continue to add talent to that spot. And, and you know, he's a little bit of a different running back, just size and, and look wise, too. I mean, he's, you know, 5'9, 5'10, 220 pounds. And, you know, I, I think you could pair somebody like that pretty well with, with an AJ Allen. Um, and, 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 you know, to be able to maybe uh, make that work. The other guy we haven't talked about too, Emmett Johnson, uh, also, you know, still around, but, um, you know, the, he's the one official visitor that Nebraska's brought in during the season. Um, so it, it made sense that he was a priority. And, you know, you, you also had a little bit of a win over Iowa in in, uh, in a recruiting battle too. So that's not bad. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, as much as there's bodies in Nebraska's running back room right now, I'm not sure how many of those guys are really going to be a factor next season. So you, you're going to have to add. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the right guy pops up on the portal, if Nebraska also looks that direction uh, in, de- in December as well. Yeah. I Arnold Barnes is really interesting. You watch his film. I mean, he's got, he's, he's got interesting sides. I mean, he's not, he's not undersized. He's, he's over 200 pounds. He can play with a little power. He moves pretty well. Uh, he put up big numbers for Booker T. Washington down there in New Orleans. He's also not like an out of nowhere guy. I mean, if if you kind of read about his history a little bit, he's basically been playing varsity football since he was a freshman. He's been a well-regarded player in the New Orleans area for some time now. Um, a lot of people kind of felt like Tulane was stealing one there as he was committed uh, to my guy, Willie Fritz, who would be a hell of a fallback option, but I don't. I don't think Nebraska's going that route either, but just wanted to, to champion Willie Fritz while I could. Um, and I think, you know, Mickey Joseph knows New Orleans really well. Brian Applewhite knows New Orleans really well. My bet, this is probably similar to Malcolm Hartzog, a guy that maybe is a little bit overlooked in a talent-rich area that did nothing but produce for four years, 
that maybe doesn't physically have the eye popping speed, um, you know, track speed that's like a lines up to be a four four, or isn't just six two and is going to run people over. But I'm telling you, you put on the film. This is a guy that makes moves. He has good vision, uh, and I've kind of in in less than a year have really just given Brian Applewhite a lot of uh, you know a lot of grace and basically like he kind of went out and was the first guy who really attached himself to AJ Allen. And that looks really good. And if he's all in on Arnold Barnes and I know their connections in Louisiana, they weren't just going to go get a guy who's a dud and they weren't going to take someone to go take someone. So I think, uh, I think Barnes has a chance to be kind of a sneaky player out of this class when we look back on it in a couple of years. So I guess Here's the, the follow-up question. If Barnes was the only official visitor Nebraska's had so far, and I would guess we're not looking at any official visitors for the Minnesota game um, or the Wisconsin game. Does Nebraska get another commitment before a coach is hired? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one to Brunts because he's staring off into space, and I think he's trying to avoid being called on like a kid in class. So we're going to brunch. No, if I were trying to avoid it, I would go the opposite way and just stare very deeply into the camera and just wait for you to be uncomfortable. I, I could think... hit mute and then be like technical problems. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I was just trying to think if there was a guy that made sense that would commit before that point. And I don't know. I don't know that there is. And I, I was thinking, trying to think even like a junior college type situation, but even then I think Nebraska is going to be very, uh, very cautious in taking commits and also how they recruit. I mean, it, I, I think too, as this coaching search has gone on, I mean, we're, we're a month away from knowing who this coach is going to be. So, you know, I think Nebraska is going to wait on a lot of official visits. I think December is going to be just absolutely bonkers for visits. But I, I don't. I, I I could see this being the last one for the month. I mean, I I was trying to think like a Mason Goldman, but I think Nebraska would wait to bring him in for an official visit in December too. So I, I, I also think, think Nebraska could lose Mason Goldman to Oklahoma State. Like he's pretty tight with Zane Flores and. Nebraska's put in more effort into Gretna as of late, but there was, and there is still some sore feelings from the Gretna program about how that whole thing was handled. And, uh, you know, Mason Goldman went down to Stillwater two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, does he, did they offer? Uh, as far as I understand, they have not, but if they okay. do, it seems like that's a thing that could go pretty quickly. So I Got don't know it. if we're okay. just getting, Ducks in a row or what, but got it. That's just okay. that's just what I've been told. Got it. Passing along some some kernels of recruiting goodness. Uh Ryan Robinson is the only name I could think of. He visited Nebraska in June. Another New Orleans guy. Still hearing from uh from Mickey Joseph and from Nebraska at this point in time. He's an early enrollee, so he's gonna be somewhere in January. And in the limited interaction we've had in the last couple of weeks. He also sort of intimated that he could choose a school, even if he doesn't know who the head coach is going to be full time. So Ryan Robinson would be the only other person I could think of. Um, but I, I'm like you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a lot of activity in terms of commitments 
this month. The other thing that we haven't really discussed recruiting-wise with all of this coaching, the 2024 class for in-state for Nebraska, I mean, Carter Nelson's going to have plenty of opportunity. We've seen Daniel Kalen in Lincoln the last couple weeks uh, when they've had home games. Davon Hall is a name to know as well. Um, Caleb Benning was just back in town. Like they've, you know, the in-state guys, like just because Nebraska doesn't have a head coach, those guys are still hearing from everybody else that's recruiting them. And whoever ends up with this job full time, they're going to have to put in some work right away uh, with, with the in-state kids for 2024. Yeah, and I think I think Mickey during his interim, if it you know the probably the biggest plus you'd say about him um, is the recruiting work behind the scenes and where this class stands. Like I think their number is honestly fine, even if they don't have another commit. Like in so in so many cases like this, you could see a class drop into the single digits. You know, I think they were done a favor in this case because there's a lot of in-state guys in this class and that helps sort of keep things afloat. Um, but I mean, people, people have read the stories. They've heard Mickey's approach. Um, they're not backing down in the recruiting part at all. Um, and I, I think that um, that's an impressive, you know, we were talking about the coaching search. Um, that's when you still talk about Mickey Joseph and his possibility there. I think that's one thing Trev probably looks at and is like, I know with, with him, you're going to get a full court press effort, um, in that part of it. And I think that's shown. All right. Any closing thoughts here as we, uh, we finish things out, we, we got a little recap of last week, a little preview and talked about Nebraska's quarterback issues. We talked coaching search. We talked recruiting. This might be the most all-around podcast we've had in a month. Yeah. Do you uh, do you uh, basketball? We got basketball. In there. We, we got basketball. Yeah. I, I I don't think there's really anything else we need to hit on. Brunt, say something real quick about Nebraska baseball. Uh, they they had a successful fall exhibition. They're currently working through their roster cutdowns, um, but. I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, positive feelings over there that last year's downturn will be a quick blip. All right. We've officially covered everything that we need to on this podcast. Uh, BC, anything you want to add? Do you want to tell the good folks at home? No, I talked too much already. I think we're good. All right. Brunts, anything from you? No, that's it. That's all I've got. Done. All right. Done. And I'm Please. I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to band practice with death by RPO. <laughs> All right. Well, uh hopefully you battle ten cent taco and a battle of the bands that we'll be talking about for years and years, wherever they still have bands and wherever they still battle. All right. For uh Michael Bruns, for Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. This is a Husker 24-7 podcast. Be sure to check out Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage from the Illinois game leading up to the Minnesota game. All of the stuff you need to know, and you can find all of it at Husker247.com. We'll catch you later this week with a Hypecast. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.